Welcome to another exciting message from Journey Church, meeting weekly in Northwest Calgary. At Journey Church, we're encountering God and embracing people. Pastor Dave. Good morning, church. Feel free to talk back, you know. Feel free to say, yes, I agree with you. Um, happy Sunday morning. I know it's very cold out, so hopefully we get some fire this morning with this word. Uh, <laughs> uh, my name is Pastor Gifty. I oversee small groups, and uh, I'm really excited for what God has in store. We've been talking about fresh start over the last couple of weeks. So those of you guys that have actually been coming, we've been talking about habits. And so um, it's really important with a new year, we make resolutions, but we really don't take inventory of our lives. And so Pastor Jess kind of really, like, really convinced us that we need to take inventory of our lives with week one. Can we not agree to that? Um, <laughs> so one thing is that just want to refresh what we've done over the last couple of weeks is that the first thing is that we are what we repeatedly do. And the second thing that we talked about is that we form habits, but our habits end up forming us. And so the last thing that we talked about last week was your habits are the sum total of what, your what you spend your time thinking about. Um, and so the last thing we're going to talk about is how your community impacts you. And that sometimes we take inventory over every other area of our life, but we forget that friendship has a huge impact. And I know there's, there's stories in this room of friendship and, and community and, and church and how that impacts our relationship with God. I remember growing up, my parents used to always tell me, choose your friends wisely. And so growing up, it didn't hinder or come to an understanding why this was an important fact, but... Parents are always right. And stats, shout out to all the parents in the room. Statistically, it says that the top five friends actually have a direct correlation to how you do life. The top five friends. And so, mom and dad, you guys are right. <laughs> um, so when we talk about our top five friends, it could also be people who have been part of our lives. And so sometimes those areas are areas that we forget and neglect to take inventory and say, what needs to be worked on? Because friendship is actually a huge portion of our lives. Even if you do studies of children growing up, the biggest influencers over kids are usually their friends. And it's not really the parents, it's usually friends. So friendship is a really deeply rooted thing that we're going to go over this morning. Now... How are the people around you? Let's take inventory of the people around you. Are they drawing you near to Jesus? Are they pushing you further into community? Are they showing you your blind spots saying, oh, your attitude needs some work? Or are they kind of <laughs> encouraging you saying, you should pursue that career. Like, step out in faith. We'll pray with you. What are your top five friends look like? How does that influence your relationship with Christ? The first thing I want to touch on, which is something I'm really, like, passionate about, is the fact that, number one, we are not made to be alone. You see, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, God saw it is not good for man to be alone. God saw that it's not good for man to be alone. 
And I know this context is usually used in weddings. I found my other person. But the beautiful thing is you realize that Adam could have been an introvert. He could have been in the Garden of Eden all by himself. All the introverts in the room said, amen. Like, this is actually a real thing. So when we see that, we see that Adam actually had the ability. He could have just sat by himself and with the animals and lived a great life. I know that's paradise for some introverts in the room. But God saw, the Bible says, he saw that he needed people. You see, we are made in the image of a relational God, which means that God himself in the Trinity, it is, he's not just himself. There's three parts to God. And so I love that God gave Adam Eve, and he said, this is your person. This is your community. We can take that text and look at it through friendship, through the lens of friendship, and say, we are not made to be alone. And oftentimes, we push people around us away because we think that we can do it by ourselves. That's part of my story about community and friendship. Oftentimes, I had people around me, but I had the idea that I could do it by myself. And I'm a strong woman. I'm independent. I can do this by myself. And kind of realized that after a while that between me and God, it wasn't really going to be enough because I needed people to carry me when I couldn't walk. I needed people to push me when I couldn't push myself. I needed people to pray for me when I couldn't even urge the words to pray to God himself that this was something that I needed for my life. So we are not made to be alone. And I'm going to talk against isolation and loneliness because that's the enemy's way of keeping you trapped in the corner. It is the enemy's way to keep you trapped in the corner. I've talked to many people through my pastoral, through especially pastoring young adults, and I really see that how the enemy, when someone pushes themselves into the corner, don't ever allow that to be someone in your peripheral. There's power in saying, hey, I see you, and calling out in the darkness where they're at, and saying, I love you, and bring them back to life. It is a life and death matter that we need as a community need to know that we are not made to be alone. And I love how Desmond Tutu, I probably said that really wrong, but I pronounced his name wrong, but the solitary human being is a contradiction in terms. We are made for complementarity. We are created for a delicate network of relationships, of interdependence with our fellow human beings. We belong in one family, God's family, the human family. The greatest good is in communal harmony. Like, isn't that beautiful? That we are wired, even in our DNA, the way that our minds work, the way that our, we think is that we need each other. It's actually how God designed us. It's such a beautiful way how he designed us. And I love that this quote by Mother Teresa, something that used to always ring in my head all the time, is, is it says, loneliness and the feeling of being uncared for, unwanted, are the greatest poverty. Loneliness is one of the greatest problems facing humanity today. When we look at celebrities and we look at people who are really big and they have all this success, they look around the room and they say, who are my people? It's actually a really serious thing. And I know some of you here have worked really hard to get to where you are, but you look around you and you realize there's nobody next to you. This is where we are called as a community to be a church where we show up for one another. So if you're struggling with loneliness and saying no one's reaching out to me, no one even noticed that I've been gone for one month for church, it's also part of our ability to call out the things in our lives and say, I'm taking a step forward by choosing light over darkness. I'm choosing to move forward and I'm choosing to say, I need people. 
I'm in isolation. I'm in loneliness. I'm, I'm grieving. I'm going through difficulty. I'm going through divorce. I'm going through so many hardships. But I'm choosing life by saying that I'm going to speak out loud the things in my heart that try to echo in my head. And I love that when we think about our friendships, are we really checking on one another? Are we really saying, I'm showing up for you? And it's not to guilt one of us, but I come short of this as well. That we get so caught up in our lives that sometimes the busyness takes over. And we forget how to do life with one another. The second thing I really am going to stomp on a little bit this morning is find your people. Finding people out of the blue isn't easy. It's not like going to the playground and, uh, <laughs> hey, want to be my friend? It used to be so much easier when we were younger. And nowadays you can't even go up to strangers and say, Hey, want, I want to get to know you at the coffee shop. And that's usually if you're like network marketing or something like that. But sorry for those that are. But I just want to say that we can't really show up to people and say, hi. Like, I can't go up to someone random and say, my name is Gifty. I need a friend. <laughs> people would be like, ma'am? And run away. So we can't really find people in random places. We can find people here in this room. We can find people where we go, we go to church, where we serve. Find your people. I've been on this earth only for 31 years, but I've learned that asking God for those people also works too. If you don't have those people, I'm going to challenge you to find those people. It is through prayer and action that we are able to see that transformation in our lives. So I remember I was actually on the plane when I was going to Virginia, and I was going there for ministry school to get some training for pastoral things. And I was on the plane, and I realized I did an inventory check in my heart, and I felt the Holy Spirit saying, you know, Gifty, you need people who will give you godly counsel. You need people that are going to push you into your destiny, propel you into what I have for you. Not to say that the friends I had did not do that, but there's a neck for the next level. You might need a little bit more. You might need something that can help you. And so I remember being on the plane and saying, well, God, how am I going to do that? And I got on the plane and I was sitting there and I just, I just felt like I should pray. You know, I'm, I'm African, so that's our response to everything is <laughs> prayer. And I love that because now I remember I really was on the plane and I was just like talking to myself and I said, God, would you just give me friends? Like, no, for real. I need like powerful women that can get around me and that can help me. And I was kind of in a place where I just was trying to figure out what God had for me. And it was a really tough season of my life and it wasn't easy from the outside looking in. But I prayed and I said, God. You know, the Lord and I, when, we, when I talk to him, I'm a little bit like, you got to do this, Lord. <laughs> and so I stepped in faith, and I went down there, and I can tell you that these women came around me, that God just started bringing people around me in ways that I didn't even expect. It was like these women just gravitated towards me that just, who are a lot older than me. It was perfect. Friendship is not about compatibility. Friendship is not about you have the same interest. Friendship is the same purpose where you're headed. What are you going towards? What are you seeking after? And I remember having these women, and they still impact me to this day. And, and I can say that this is one area where I feel like God has really shown up for me. I just want to talk about in the book of Daniel real quick. Because this story, I want to look at it from the lens of friendship. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 13 to 24, we see this story. It's a very long passage, so I'm going to read it for you guys. This is around the time when Daniel and his friends were being recruited, and they went to serve in Babylon. They were pressured to give up their Jewish tradition. And during this time, they were being told what to eat, which was everything against their tra tradition and convictions. 
Now we find this story of Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king at that time, who was, who was facing Daniel and his friends. He said, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what god will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. That's bold words. If you are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your, maj from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want to know your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Now that didn't make the king happy. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace, heated seven times hotter than usual, commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the burning, blazing furnace. So these men, wearing the robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king commanded what was so urgent, and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took the three men. I'm going to end there. First of all, there's so many things happening in this story. <laughs> Daniel, I believe those three friends were sent by God to show up for Daniel in a time that he needed to stand up for his convictions. You see, when we say, God, give us people, he will give us people. You realize the story of these men, if you do some history, and you do some research, you find that these men were actually, they came from good homes. They weren't like, uh, I don't know, they weren't like kids that just took off the street. It was a very strategic thing that King Nebuchadnezzar did with these young men. And to take these men and say, these kids are coming from royalty and being used in, in, this, in this context. And so we see that literally Daniel and his friends had to stand up to the king and say, we will not bow down. And, th and the king's response was to throw them into a furnace. Now, I'm, I love history a lot. So, like, I'm going to be a nerd real quick here. I want to just tell you how hot the furnace was. Because the Bible doesn't do its justice. Seven times hotter. Okay, cool, whatever. No, 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 no. This is not a baking oven. This is not a pizza oven. This is an industrial oven that is, like, blazing hot. It's said to be 3,000 degrees hot that the strongest soldiers who pushed these men into the fire burned and died. These men stood in the fire with Daniel. Friendship requires sacrifice. Community requires sacrifice. We can't sit in our corners and say, no one's talking to me. I'm going home. It takes us to say, what convictions do I have? If I want community, we got to work towards community. And I love that Daniel wasn't like, oh, I have these friends and I'm going to use them, I'm going to tell them what to do. No, they were like, Daniel, we're going to rally around you. We're going into this fire together. You got this, bro? We're going in. Like, the fact that they did this with conviction, knowing that God is going to save them, that's the other thing. It's so beautiful. But what we can learn from the life of Daniel is that the greatest strength, there's great strength in friendship. There's great strength in unity. We need each other, church. We need each other. Daniel had people he could fast and pray with, and that's where the Daniel fast comes from, to provide and offer a support system in their exile, stood the test of hardship and 
opposition, and their faith did not waver because they could walk together. Daniel had the faith to believe that God is going to be able to move, and I can see God move for my nation, and I can move, and I can do these things. But when God brought his friends around him, I felt like there's maybe something in him that stood up even more and said, we can really do this. We need each other for that purpose. When we can't do it by ourselves, our friends will stand up and say, I got your back, and I will walk into the fire with you. Now, don't walk into a little fire, but I think it's important to note that this is a great example and we also, the second thing is we must stand for our convictions. You see, we have friends that influence us all of our lives, and we begin to have this wrestle of relationship with God and wanting our lifestyles to look a little different, but the friends we have have a different lifestyle. We must stand for our convictions. So when we say, God, give us friendships, give us friends, give us friends that could stand in those convictions, that should be your prayer. Because when you model your life, those friends who, who have those influences on you will begin to see your life transformed through the gospel and they would want a part of that too. So when we talk about standing in our convictions, I want to encourage you that I'm not saying disregard all your friends, but when you have friends that are not healthy for your relationship, whether they're verbally abusive or maybe they're just their lifestyle, you just always, I don't know, maybe their lifestyle doesn't suit your lifestyle, Whatever the case may be, I don't know what the scenarios are for bad friendships as adults. I know for teenagers, it's like peer pressure. But I don't know what it is for adults. Maybe adults do face peer pressure after all. But Pastor just said yes. And <laughs> so I just want to say that like a group of friends, they stood together. And how powerful is that image? Hand by hand, side by side, they walked with Daniel into the fire. But that's not where the story ends. We can go on to the next passage here. Daniel chapter 3, verse 24 to 27. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, wait, wait, wait. Well, this is my part. I'm adding this. Weren't there three men that tied up and threw into the, thro that were, and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, see, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening blazing furnace and shouted, can you imagine he opened the furnace expecting them to be like done? He was actually enjoying watching people get burned. This is how crazy of a king he was. He opens the furnace and he yells, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out. See how that quickly changed? <laughs> so Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego came out of the fire and the, the sartaps, um, perfects, governors, royals, advisors crowned them around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head signed. Singed? <laughs> Singed, wow. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Listen, I was really, like, amazed by I've heard this story so many times in my life, Sunday school, all my life. But as an adult, thinking about the fact that, whew, the power of being intentional they knew going into the fire that God would save them. That was their intentionality. That they chose unity and they went into it together. But I just love that they weren't, it says in the Bible that they weren't even burnt. Their clothing, like 3,000 degrees, hot, industrial, fire. <laughs> and they did not burn, guys. The Bible is real because we can see the evidence of that clearly. And I love that the third point is to be intentional. The same, the same fire that would burn the soldiers did not consume them. 
and, and I know, like, this sounds a little bit preachy, but, like, we have things in our lives that consume us, but you will not burn. And the reality of that is because they stood in faith, serving God, and they put God first before all things as a friend group. So in your friend group, are they pushing you towards Christ? Are they encouraging you to seek his godly counsel? In the moments where you don't feel like praying, they pick up the phone and say, you better pray. <laughs> right? Like there are those things that we need in life. And sometimes we say, listen, Pastor Gifty, <laughs> friendship is hard. It's a wound. I don't want to go there. I've been hurt. But intent isn't enough to say, oh, I was going to call you. I was going to pray for you. But we don't know what's happening on the other line and what's going on with other people in their lives. But I love this image of these young men who stood by faith. They were not burned. They came out of it as victory. And then the king bowed down saying, we will worship your God, not me. That is a testimony. Your friendship is a walking example of what lives can be changed. Sometimes you stepping out of your comfort zone and stepping into the unknown is not just about you. It's about the people around you. Your act of faith is just not just about you. It's about other people. Friends, I want to tell you there's somebody in silence yearning for friendship, yearning for someone to notice them, sitting in the seats every Sunday, wishing somebody would just say their name or get to know their name. We have this tendency to, to feel like we need just a certain group of people. And I know it's very easy because when you come into a big church, you're like, I got to make one friend, I'm good. One friend, I'm good. But that's not enough. Like I, I just, like I said, friendship is not about compatibility. Like we need older women to help the younger women. We need older men to help the younger men. Like it is not about doing things by ourselves, but it's about being intentional. So I want to challenge you to be intentional. Intentional about putting your relationship with God in the front line and standing in your convictions, but also being intentional about to reach to others because they can't reach for themselves in those moments. We need each other, old and young. We need each other in every aspect. It's not to say that what you've done in your life is not sufficient, but it's to say that we need each other. And I love that they were not consumed by the fire, which I got really stuck on for a while. <laughs> and I just want to say that, like, we cannot grow spiritually if we don't grow relationally. Like, we actually can't. There is no way we can grow spiritually if we don't grow relationally. Jesus modeled this, and I said this last time, too, in small groups launch, and I also thought about the fact that Jesus was God and he still had the 12 around him all the time. They lived together, they ate together, they traveled together, they did ministry together. And then here I am being like, I need my alone time to myself. Like, Jesus really loved people. He loved them so much. And I think a lot of you have capacity to love others uh, uh, more than yourself. And that's great. I mean, there's some people who struggle with that. But I just want to encourage you that Jesus modeled this and he was a relational he was very relational and that's why we even do small groups really in homes is because that's what the in acts what was done in the beginning and i remember even like being part of a small group i just feel like sometimes you don't really get to know people on a sunday like it's nice to see you how are you oh i'm great oh how's your kid great I mean, no one asked me that, but, like, I'm just trying to think of things <laughs> people would say to each other. And, yeah, like, how are you? Oh, I'm, I'm doing great. But deep down, you're like, oh, I just want to go home and I want to be. So, like, can we just challenge ourselves to be intentional in this place? That there's freedom in this place to say, hey, I've been seeing you for weeks and I forgot your name. It's okay. That's probably going to be me coming up to you today. 
but that's okay. <laughs> There's going to be times where you're going to need the other person. There's going to be small groups you're going to go to. And it's not going to feel like a good fit for you. But it's not to say there isn't a place for you to belong. You already belong because you are a child of God. You are, you are called into the sonship. You are in relationship with Jesus. So you are part of a family already, automatically. And that's like powerful. We, are, we need to grow spiritually. We also need to grow relationally. And I want us to just know that like when we faithfully serve, God intervenes on our behalf. And I know some of you are sitting here being like, okay, I've tried to pray this friendship thing. And be patient. God intervenes on our behalf. Like you need mentors around you. Pray and start asking. It takes prayer and action for us to move forward in our lives. So we can't say in January we're going to do all this new stuff and then we just take no action to better ourselves and better our relationship. I just want to say the suicide rates in this city is, is, is very high for men alone. And I'm just going to speak to the men in the room right now where it is really hard for men to find. I think women sometimes just like, oh my gosh, your shoes are cute. We should be friends. Like it's very easy for us. <laughs> With men, you can't be like, I like your tie. You want to be friends? Like it doesn't work like that. So sometimes what it takes is maybe like some of you men who are married in this room probably have a wife that's telling you, you need to make friends, honey. You need to like make friends. And so it's really hard. But like, just find a man in the room and say, hey, like, want to grab a coffee? I, like, this friendship thing is weird to me. I just know how to do business and business meetings. You know, like, maybe that's what it is for you. But I want to encourage you. Like, a young man in this room probably needs your voice and your experience and your testimony because it brings power and you're choosing life over death in this situation. It is a severe thing. Because we cannot say that we want to see this in our lives and not do it, guys. We have to do this together. So, men in the room, please, this is your opportunity. Find someone that you can, just, there's something about them that resembles your story. And sometimes all it really takes is a conversation. Introduce yourself. Because I really believe the power of the older men just speaking to the younger men, vice versa. There's so much that we need each other in this community. There's really no point if we're a big church and we're really just walking around and being like super fake and be like, hi, nice to see you, bye. Like we need to try to go a little bit deeper, dig a little deeper. This year, try to dig a little deeper. I'm sure you'll be surprised by the amount of people that you begin to be in community with. I want to just end with this story here. I once read this story about a farmer in Cambodia. Powerful story. And unfortunately, he lost his legs during an explosion. And this man wanted to still farm his land, but became depressed when he realized he physically wasn't able to. His community rallied around him, like his friends, and discovered that he was depressed because he was isolated and no longer felt valuable. Then his community recognized that he still wanted to farm. So they decided to purchase him a cow and he was able to transition to a new type of farming, and soon he felt like he was doing meaningful work again. Sometimes it just takes friends to say, hey, we haven't heard from this person. Can we just, can we just rally around them? That's what the Bible tells us to do, really, right? In this story, this man, he lost his legs. And sometimes, like, we have devastating things happen in our lives. Like, bombs are dropped. And maybe it's a bomb to you, that person and not to you, which is understandable, too. But I love that these... His community of friends did not say like, oh, he just lost his legs. We're just going <sighs> to, poor guy. 
they bought him a cow. <laughs> and they were able to help him become a better farmer. And he was able to just really find his identity again and find the life that God has placed in him again. It was like a restoration and hope. Friendship and community brings restoration and hope. It really does. I've seen it happen around people around me who, if, when they had friendship, they thrived. Because what that did is it, says, it speaks identity to them. It says, God loves you when they forget that he loves them. And when they're stressed, they say, God's got you. And to be able to verbalize things, we need to speak life over each other. And just like these men and these, this man himself in Cambodia who actually saw, his, saw himself being isolated and he couldn't really express what was going on and sometimes even in the silence just show up. And that's the beautiful thing. And I love how in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 to 17, it says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and monetary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Like, our struggles are not for us to carry by ourselves. I did that for years and years. And I felt the secret ingredient was community. It really changed the way I did life. It really changed the way I was vulnerable. It, did, it changed the way that God spoke to me. Because I was able to shame the enemy and again choose life over darkness. Every single day by shaming the enemy and speaking out loud. So do not lose heart. Do not be discouraged. This process is going gonna, is gonna to be horrible. Well, maybe it will be great for you because you're new to the church and you're so hopeful. And some of you have been like, I've been to church for 20 years and let me tell you about this organization. There's still hope for all of those things. There's room for every single person in this room. We all belong here because we are children of God and he loved on us before we even knew it. That is the goal and that is the key thing. So the renewal happens each day. As we renew our minds and we take inventory of our lives, let's also begin to be intentional. Pray for our people. Find our people. And really call it isolation, either within us or around us. That is what we should do as a group, collectively and individually. I really want, as a pastor here, love to see just more healthy relationships. I know that there's probably so many people I should probably talk to that maybe took offense by what I said, and, and or whatever the case may be, but we need to all be intentional. If it just stays in our minds about what we were going to do, we will never do it. It's the same way about building healthy habits, right? This is also a healthy habit. It's community, intentionality. And whenever we talk about small groups, I think we have 30 groups that exist within this church. Like, if you commit to not being afraid to join one thing, to do one thing this year, and going to show up to one group to be like, I showed up, tell me. I want to see the transformation happen in your life. I want to be able to pray with you and stand with you and believe for community and transformation in your life. It is not impossible. We need each other because we are made in the image of a relational God. He cares about our deepest wounds. And trust me, we have some really amazing people here who've gone through some really heavy things that their testimony can bring life to you. It can heal the things inside you as well because Jesus will use them. So if this is an area where you feel like you've been struggling, I really just want to take the time to just pray for you. I really want you to just feel like hope renewed. I feel like that was my word for this year and I didn't understand, but I understood now. It's almost like I have a heart for people to, to for, their, for what they've gone through to feel like they can really trust God in this next season of their life. 
So I just want to quickly pray for you before we close. And I know we're going to be singing parts of a song talking about the reckless love of God, but, and I love how even Pastor Dave was highlighting earlier that really, even God pursues us. He doesn't want us to be alone. He's going to chase after us until we're, okay, Lord, you've been pursuing me. I'm here now, and that's all it takes. So I just want to pray for you, especially if you're a person in the room that this friendship thing needs healing. Or maybe you need friends, you need people. Or maybe you have influences in your life that you're not really proud of and you want to see transformation. I want to pray for you this morning. So I'm just going to quickly bow. Let's just all bow our heads. I'm just going to quickly pray for everybody in this room. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would restore hope in every single person, God, every single seat in this place, that you'd give them community, that you'd give them friendship, that you would restore friendships that are meant to be in their lives, and also, Lord, that you would just allow people who are struggling with isolation to feel like a sense of belonging in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to us today. For more information about who we are, head over to myjourney.church or look for us on your favorite social media outlet.